0: just when you thought it was safe to do absolutely anything in life, here comes three chilling stories that should make you think, "Uh uh-oh, anything can kill me. (laughs) Hopefully you're not super paranoid listening to this episode. First off, is there any truth to the story that there is a man-eating carpet roaming through abandoned houses in Canada? But then we meet a baby, a little tiny baby person, who is smarter than he seems. What, huh? What's that story going to be about? And then... (laughs) Did you just throw a bunch of stuff together at the last minute? No, no, seriously, this is a good episode. And then we take a look at a man driving through Portland, Oregon. He's about to get home to see his wife and give her a big smooch on the lips. Instead, he is chased all the way to his front door by a manifestation of pure, fluffy evil today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. You guys heard the intro. We got a ton of stuff to cover. When harmless things attack is the theme today, and that might sound vague. That might sound cobbled together, but it's not. All of these stories are really creepy, very interesting, and make us think, hmm... I better be careful of every every single thing around me. But one person I'm not careful around, one person I always welcome into my house, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our Thanksgiving live stream supporters. Give it up for Just a Guy. Everyone, woo, Just the Guy, come on in. <laughs> you're the man. Just the Guy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or the live streams, or me financially in any way, that's fine, I don't care. Just help spread the word about the show. That helps out so much. When you get other people to listen to the show, it really, really matters. So please, if you can't support the show financially, please help the show grow. Just the guy, let's go ahead and get started here. I'm going to toss you some oars. We're going to take the Dead Rabbit rowboat. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit command. We're going to row all the way out to Orlean Island, Canada. Splash! Splash! Ooh, We're rowing this boat. We get to Orlean Island in Canada. The reason why we're headed to Orlean Island is because there's a local urban legend in this area. It spread from camper to camper at a local summer camp, but eventually got into the surrounding communities as well. An urban legend that may make you question science itself. So here's the story In a neighborhood not much unlike your own, there's an abandoned house. And in that abandoned house is nothing, it's abandoned. But even abandoned houses, they have carpets. So these kids are like, oh, dude, you know, it'd be totally dope if we get some skis and head on over to the old McManaville place. It's been abandoned for at least 50 years. Let's go down there. So they go down there and they're drinking some brews and they're making out with some girls and sitting on the couch that they brought with them because it's an abandoned house. And then they go, hey, Timmy, go get us some more brews. So Timmy leaves. He, he leaves the room. Half hour or so passed. Hey, where's Timmy? I'm starting to sober up. Hey, Joey, go get me some brews. And Joey goes into the next room and the gang leader is sitting there and he's now he's completely sober. He's thinking about his life. He's like, Oh, all the decisions I made, they've all been so poor. Papa, why don't you love me? And then he's like, That's right, I'm gonna get my own brew skis. Get out of my way, chicks, and he's pushing these girls off of his lap. He walks into the room where all the beer is supposedly at, and he sees the beer. 12 packs and the 24 packs and all this stuff he's like my brewskis but then he also sees he moves his head slightly to the right and he sees the desiccated corpses of the other two dudes he sent in there and he's like no what are you guys doing wake up wake up but they're all like gross and stuff they're all and while he's trying to figure out what to do he's like i can either call 911 or i can get this delicious alcohol he hears a movement behind him and he turns and he sees something rise out of the carpet no he sees the carpet itself begin to take the shape of this long slender snake-like entity and it's looking right at him now Bottom half of its body is spread out thin like a carpet but the rest of it is this snake-like form and this thing is glaring at the gang leader with pitch black eyes just staring at him And then suddenly <coughs> the snake attaches itself to the gang leader's face and begins to suck the brains right out of his skull and it's that last little piece of brain. The very last piece of brain is the one that he can see out of. Is one that controls all of his eyeballs. He can actually see his brains being sucked out of his nose into the snake's mouth. All of his memories, all of his cherished times drinking in abandoned houses. Gone forever. As the snake begins to digest his delicious gray matter deep inside its unholy body. This is, an ur- this is super interesting because it's a fairly recent urban legend and it makes so much sense on, t- on two different things. One, we always look at urban legends and what they do is they warn people. Urban legends are the same things as old myths when people go, why is that mountain on fire? Well, a god came down and he cracked it open and hot lava is up there. So don't go up there because the god will hate you. So many stories about cursed locations, going close to the water, oh, don't go there, a siren will suck you into the water. These are always to warn people, don't do things. And when we look at modern myths, don't pick up hitchhikers because they might vanish and steal your jacket, which is very common with the vanishing hitchhiker. They might leave a pool of water in the back of your nice car. This one, don't go into abandoned houses. This is actually a really good lesson for kids. I'm sure some realtor invented this story. So in that sense, on an urban legend sense, it totally makes sense. If you're telling a story to the next generation, if the parents just say don't go in abandoned houses, who cares, parents? You suck. But if you hear the story like this, don't go in abandoned houses or something will suck out your brain, that is going to frighten 9, 10, 11-year-old kids. And maybe a few 20-year-olds. So, in that sense, that's really interesting. On the other side, though, evolutionarily speaking, you're like, God damn it, Jason, not this. You've gone so long without going on an evolution rant. Evolutionary wise speaking, this could happen, right? For evolution to work, you have to have something remain quite stable for a long time. Like, everything can't be moving too fast. Or it won't have time to evolve. Like, if everything is constantly changing in the environment, it won't be able to adapt to it. Let's say that you had little uh, black mold floating around houses. And usually people are just like, chew, And they're like, oh man, I sure do have the <laughs> sniffles in this house. Infused with black mold, they don't see that their lungs are thickening up. But over time, the mold maybe would start to like form into, instead of just being all microscopic, like, let's say you keep coughing in the same corner and then the mold is like, hey, buddy, I know you. And they're like grabbing onto other mold and they're like getting together. And they're like, hey, maybe if you and me team up, we can be extra moldy together. And so the same guy is like coughing in, the, in this corner. I imagine him, he's like a guy from an Alice in Chains video. He's the man in the box and he's just facing one angle. And the black mold keeps like getting stronger and stronger. And it keeps meeting its buddies and it forms like a little chain of mold. And then at a certain point, the mold would go, wait a second. So every so often, we wait for this dude to cough over here to get more of us. But we notice he's also coughing in a sleep and he's coughing in the bathroom. Maybe if we walk over to the bathroom, we'll get extra dudes quicker. So the mold is kind of like floating through the air and it's like hanging out in the bathroom. It's like, oh no, this is a terrible plan. It's super stinky in here and we're mold but it starts getting more mold attached to it. And then, okay, this isn't over the course of like a weekend, right? Maybe a guy moves out and someone else moves in and he's like, oh, I love this place, (coughs) except for the weird smell. And you start having all this mold accumulate and the mold through different generations are starting to go, we can move like we're walking around, we're going over here. And then like eventually it figures out, wait a second, Instead of, instead of like, waiting for dudes to breathe us in and then cough us out, what if we cut out the middleman? What if we ate them? <laughs> okay, so here's the, here's the thing. I know evolution takes billions of years. And I know I'm trying to compact it from the invention of the carpet to now. But I'm just saying, that scenario... Okay, forget that I said any of that. Forget that I said any of that. We've had a... As... It would behoove a creature to adapt itself to urban hunting, I guess would be a better way for me to say it. A creature that could actually have an unlimited food source in a urban or suburban environment because so much of nature is crafted for the natural world, right? Butterflies don't do super well in apartment complexes. I think it's high time, and I bet you it has happened, that we start to see radical evolution in creatures for the urban environment. We do see it, I know, like in hospitals where we have uh, those microbes that eventually doctors are going to be... They, they are expecting a day quite soon. You don't know how much of this is fear-mongering. I've been hearing this for the past 5-10 years, but uh, doctors have said there will come a time where we are no longer able to do surgeries. That's how bad the germ problem is getting. The germs are becoming indestructible. Whenever we're using hand sanitizer, and we've been using it a lot the past two years. This was something they talked about this pre-COVID. When you use hand sanitizers, it says on the bottle it kills 99.9% of germs. It, that's true. The other 0.01% simply becomes stronger and more resistant to antiseptics. And in hospitals, they've had to start breaking out robots that have UV lights that just drive through the hospital. Originally, they had nurses with UV lights walking around the hospital and they're like, we can't even keep up with the germs. So now they'll have like these devices, these Roombas that are basically (laughs) shooting laser beams at bacteria, but... There are a lot of medical professionals who say we may reach... Can you imagine that? Like, we have come so far technologically as a species, which is fascinating to me. From the 1800s and the coal stacks of England to today, I love this, this thing that we've just become, this technological species. There's nothing like it that we know of in the universe. But... There may come a point where we can't do surgeries because when they cut you open in a hospital, you get an infection from a disease, from a germ they cannot stop. Yeah, there may come a time. So we do have this... fast evolution of these creatures, and part of it is because of us, we're putting all this antiseptic hand lotion. So my idea of the black mold, walking around like the muconyx term, meeting other guys, forming up, that might sound a little ridiculous, but you could easily, in the timeline that we've had with all of these radical environmental changes and stuff like that, a creature that did adapt to live in abandoned houses, to disguise itself as Things in the abandoned house. I don't think that's super far-fetched. So so using science, the carpet monster may exist. Or if it doesn't exist now, it may someday. But it probably just the urban legend. But I do think it's creepy. And I do like the idea of this creature just living in abandoned houses. And it would be something that maybe it ate rats. Maybe it didn't even have to eat at all. Maybe the sucking out the brains was simply a defense mechanism of it. But a creepy story... Nonetheless, just a guy. Let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind this house. We lost a couple listeners. They're like, beer? Free beer on this episode? I was like, no, no, no. They're going in there. Getting their brain sucked out. Sorry, guys. When you're reincarnated, make sure to check out my podcast once again. But for the rest of us, let's hop on board the Jason Jalopy. We're leaving behind this house. We're headed all the way out to a little baby's room. (laughs) Make sure to honk that horn right when we pull up. Baby's like, I found this story online. It was posted by someone under the name of Book Thief. We're going to call them Terry. And Terry posted this story. Uh, they said, my aunt put this video up on Instagram, and it was one of the craziest things I'd seen. So my aunt has a little baby, a little one-and-a-half-year-old baby, and he's chilling in his crib. Me, 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 he. Little baby arms moving around. Those little thick baby legs kind of kicking at nothing. And in this video, it's like one of those nanny camp videos. The baby's like kicking in like its leg is wrapped up in a blanket. And it looks like the baby's trying to kick off the blanket. And then, in the video, the baby talks. The baby talks at one and a half years old, which would be a feat in and of itself. If the baby's like, Mama. mama." At one and a half, that's, that's pretty advanced. Usually they're still idiots up until around age two. Then they start learning words super quickly and they can start sistering to together sentences. But one and a half, even if it's just making like little statements, that would be weird. Maybe babies say mama at one and a half. I don't know. But anyways, the point is, is this is not a baby development podcast. I'm not going to talk about baby evolution, thankfully. The baby's leg is wrapped in the blanket and the baby's just kind of laying there trying to get the blanket off. And then he goes, you got to help me. And there's just silence in the room almost like a pause almost like the baby is talking to someone we can't hear the baby says you gotta help me and then i know but you gotta help me silence now obviously we want to see this video right and someone asked, hey, Terry, can you post the video? And they're like, no. So that makes it a little suspect, right? That makes it a little suspect that they told this story about this baby talking. But, fascinating. That's not the whole story. That's not the whole story. Like, damn it, Jason, I thought the baby was going to attack somebody. This is called when harmless things attack. Hold on. That in and of itself is kind of interesting, right? When I first read it, the, I, my mind immediately went to that award-winning documentary, Little Man by the Waynes Brothers it documented the true life story about a tiny bank robber who pretended to be a baby. It reminded me of something like that, like maybe this baby was actually an adult felon, or I thought of things like reincarnation. I've told this story before on the podcast. Language is very weird. Language is a very weird thing. I'll tell it briefly now. I was working at Best Buy as a manager I was super tired. I was partying late the night before. This was a Saturday shift. It was like 10, 11 in the morning. There was a line stretching as far as the eye could see. And I'm ringing people up. And this woman and these two dudes come in line. And they're talking about something like a movie they were going to go see or, or a book. I think it you was know, something like that. And I remember I was ringing them up. And I said, yeah, the movie was good. But the book was a lot better. And I'm, I, I kind of commented on their conversation. And she goes, you speak French? and i look at her and i go what and then she is speaking nothing but french now i don't know french at all i am basque so my ancestry is from that region but i the only thing i can think of and we just kind of looked at each other and we we're like go kind of down i finished their transaction the only thing i can think of is i was so tired my brain was working on some sort of ancestral memory and i spoke fluent french i could understand everything they were saying and i spoke Fluently, and was it blew both of our minds. So, I think I honestly believe that a baby can talk, right? I think that on the core of it, this baby talking isn't super weird. Who was it talking to? This could be totally fake, right? This could totally be fake. Every stuff, everything we cover on this show could be fake, but we, we deal with the world of paranormal. We do give it some wiggle room, unless we can prove that it's fake. When this baby is talking, right? I find that absolutely fascinating. I think language in the brain is fascinating. And I wanted to roll it into this story too. I found another story that's kind of similar. This was posted, this was in a totally different forum, totally different setup. This was posted by someone called Skinny Mini 18. And I just found this the other day. Skinny Mini, we'll call them Joe. Joe has a girlfriend who has a younger sister who's 19 years old. We'll call her Maxine. Now, Maxine has cerebral palsy, and she has autism. And even though she's smart, she needs help with everything. She needs help with everything. Like, she, her, her older sister taught her how to walk and taught her how to talk and all of this stuff and takes care of her. And it's actually a really good relationship between the boyfriend and the girlfriend and the sister. They're, they're a family. But one day, the girlfriend confides in Skinny Minnie. Something weird has happened with Maxine. Something I, I I've never really told anyone about this. It's I don't even know how to put it into. Let me just tell you. She can't support herself. You know that, and the way she talks, she she talks in a very childlike way, and she even like thinks her stuffed animals are real people. She talks to her stuffed animals as if they're real. So she just has this childlike innocence to her and it shows in her voice, it shows on her face. But three times, three times this has happened. I'll be sitting there with Maxine. She'll be playing with her toys. Bright smile on her face. Eyes wide. And then she looks at me. She looks at me dead in the eyes. And her face is different. She looks like an adult. The innocence is gone and it's replaced with the look of fear. She looks right at me and she says, I'm stuck. Stuck in here. And I can't get out. And then her face changes back into a child's face. Bright, beaming smile. She turns her head plays with her toys. three times she's come out of this mindset of a child and pleads. she says she's trapped. she says that she needs help. she needs help. and then back to that childlike innocence. there's a it's here's the thing that's so interesting about that story is she's born she was born with cerebral palsy and autism we have stories and we talked about it before like before you when you have alzheimer's generally like a week before you die it goes away not all the time because now we we give them so much drugs i'll put that episode in the show notes that was a really weird one but they have this time period that a week before you die like you have alzheimer's you have dementia you will snap out of it and you'll have all your memories back and you'll sit and talk to your loved ones and they for years they watch you just waste away and then one day you walk into the rest home or if you have them at home you wake up and your dad's sitting up in bed and he's like hey joe did you catch the game last week oh man dude those raiders are doing so good they don't know what causes it and again nowadays we drug them up so much we don't see it as often but it happens all the time. It happened all the time from like the late 1800s until the early 80s when we we started treating Alzheimer's differently. I'll put the episode in the show notes. I don't remember the exact details. And when people were talking about the story, a lot of people used examples like that. They said, you know, my grandpa had Alzheimer's and then one day like before he died, he woke up or I knew someone who was in a car accident and they were in a coma and then they came out of the coma and they started talking like everything was normal and things like that. And that is, those are miracles, right? I'm not I'm not going boring. Your your memories ugh. But I'm saying this one is someone who has always been in the childlike state. They've always been here. So what is coming out in these moments? I can understand someone who, you know, I dealt not uh, my uncle, got shot in the head with a shotgun. And he was limited to a vocabulary of 74 words. And he had a hard time using the left side of his body. And that's how I grew up knowing my uncle and loving my uncle. I'll put that episode in the show notes as well. It's a really good episode. But... It would have been a miracle if he snapped out of it, right? But, you know, he had parts of his brain missing, like physically gone from the shotgun blast. In those stories, the people were once someone, and now they're someone else due to some sort of accident or chemical imbalance or something like that. Maxine was born with cerebral palsy, was born with autism. And so who is she switching into? And why? Why? and in such a state of distress too it's panic it's fear that crosses Maxine's face when she comes out of this but again who is that is this an alternate personality is it the real Maxine is who it's incredibly bizarre story and it, it, to me it goes back to the baby story where Language, and I, I, I am more of, I know this is probably getting too much anyway, it, but I, as time goes on, I'm starting to see the brain more as a receiver than a transmitter. And I don't know what the implications of that are. But if your brain is a receiver, if the body itself is broken and the synapses are not working, the signal's still coming in strong. It's just like a television set that has a bent antenna. The signal is still coming, and it's all the other televisions are working just fine. It's the television that's busted that's messing with the signal. You never think, oh, the signal's not coming good from the tower. You know it's the television. That's how I see the brain. And so is, in these moments, is the signal finally getting through, even in a baby? The signal is getting through. It was interesting, too, all the comments about Maxine. People were like, oh, dude, maybe you should hypnotize her. Maybe you should give her, maybe you should give her some THC instead. I'm just going to say, do not take medical advice on the Internet at all. But that aside, what an interesting story. That's one of those stories, honestly, that I read and I go, and I don't do this very often. That's one of the stories that I read and I go, I hope that's fake. I hope Skinny Mini was typing this up and posting it. I hope that's fake, because this is one of the stories that, if it's true, it's really terrifying. It's really terrifying. You know what I mean? Like, being trapped like that. There are diseases called locked-in disease and things like that, where your brain is fully functional, but your body isn't. But again, those are people who were quote-unquote normal before the chemical imbalance, before the accident, before the injury, all this stuff. Maxine was always in this state. So what is this personality? What is popping through in these moments? Absolutely bizarre. Just the guy, let's go ahead and toss the keys to the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind this house containing Maxine. We're waving goodbye. We are headed all the way out to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> As we're headed out there, I want to give a shout-out to the website I got the information from. This is one of my favorite websites. I go to it all the time. Phantomsandmonsters.com. Really, really good website if you're looking for cryptids, paranormal stuff. I love this website. I go to it all... I'm actually getting ready to advertise on that website. I need, to... I need to send over the PayPal payment. I like the website so much, I'm going to support them financially and get a little Dead Rabbit Radio banner on there. Really, really great website. The story takes place on December 21st. 2021. So just a couple weeks ago, this happened. We're in Portland, Oregon. It's 11:30 at night, and it's a clear night. There's a couple clouds far off in the distance, but it's not raining. It's not snowing. It's just a nice, peaceful night. And this young man, we're going to call him Matthew. He's driving home after a night of hanging out with his friends. He's been driving for about 10 minutes, and he notices he's being followed. But not by a car, not by the cops. He's being followed by a dark cloud. I don't know know how I would pick that up. I don't know how that would really click in my brain. But this cloud is pretty low to the ground. Low, Low enough that he can notice that it's following him. He's driving. He's going 60 miles an hour. And he sees this dark cloud keeping pace with him. Now it's farther away. It's not like right next to the car yet but he does notice this black cloud seems to be going down the highway with him. It was completely pitch black, but in a way that paranormal activity often defies normal physics. It was pitch black, but he could see through it. And you go, Jason, that's absolutely impossible. I've seen that with shadow people. When I've had my encounters with shadow people, they are pitch black, but you can actually see things behind them. Such a weird phenomenon. And this is one of those details because I've seen stuff like this in real life when I read stories like that. I go, okay, this has a little bit of a li- li- little more credibility because you don't see that detail a lot in Shadow Man stuff. It pops up here and there. And if you've experienced it yourself, pretty good indicator the story's true. He, but I, but I don't know this guy could have totally been making it up. But anyways, he's driving down the road. He sees this pitch black cloud, yet you could see through it. And this thing is it's sizable, it's five feet high. And about 25 to 30 feet long, going down the freeway next to him. And even he, in this moment, is thinking, I don't even know if this is real. I'm living this. I'm looking at this, but this can't be real. He starts to realize he's the only car on the road. Now, 1130 at night's not super late, but Oregon does seem to go to bed very early, so that could be feasible as well. He's driving down the road. He's the only car on the road. He's been traveling for around 10 miles at this point, and the cloud is keeping pace with him. So he picks up his cell phone, and calls his wife, because he's freaking out, right? (laughs) He's totally scared by this thing at this point. And he goes, he's talking to his wife, and he's like, hey, (laughs) I'm being chased by a cloud. She goes, how much have you actually had to drink? Were you breaking into abandoned houses again? He's like, no, 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 stop doing that. But I think this cloud's chasing me, and he's driving down the road, and he decides, maybe if I change lanes, I'll lose it. because. If I'm being pursued by something and I'm going in a straight line, and it's going in a straight line, maybe we are just happen to be going in a straight line together. He changes lanes, then he looks. It's gone. Man, just a figment of my imagination, he thinks. This story definitely won't end up on a paranormal podcast. And then he turns his head... And he looks right outside the driver's side window, and it's right there. The cloud is now right next to the car. And now that it's right next to the car, he realizes it's growing in mass. Now that it's right next to the car, he can truly take in the magnitude of the thing. It's bigger than the car, right? It could easily swallow his entire vehicle with room to spare. He's panicking now, right? This thing's right next to him, but luckily there's the exit for his house. He pulls off on the exit, and the cloud disappears but then as he's coming coming off the exit ramp and now he's driving through the neighborhood to get home it reappears now it's on the passenger side of the car he says his neighborhood it kind of seems to be like this big cul-de-sac type of area and he goes every time i drive into the neighborhood every time anyone drives into the neighborhood right at the beginning of this cul-de-sac type area. There's a house with a dog, and every single time a car drives by, the dog runs out of seemingly nowhere and begins barking, bark, 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 defending the house, defending the house, I'm a brave dog, from the car that goes driving by. It is something that happens every single time you drive by or anyone drives by. The dog runs out and barks at the car. Now, as he's driving down this road, the cloud once again disappears. But... He notices the dog is now running through the yard towards the fence, prepared to bravely defend his master's home, and the dog stops, 15 feet from the fence, completely stops, and just stares at the car. He said every single time a car drives by, that dumb dog barks. Except that night. It just sat silently. When he pulls up, his wife is standing outside, zooming in full rain gear, just in case it's a rain cloud. She sees him pull up, and she's looking for this mysterious cloud. She doesn't see anything. And he gets out of his car. He doesn't see anything either. You have to be thinking, it must have been a mistake. I mean, it was weird. The dog wasn't barking. But other than that, it was just you visually seeing anything. The car didn't get rocked. Nothing got shattered. You didn't hear a voice. It was just you seeing something. And the eyes can be deceived so easily. YouTube is full of optical illusions. So he goes, you know what? Let's just go inside. I need to get some sleep. But he can't, right? I mean, he's just been pursued by this cloud. He can't really make sense of it. And they're up. They're still up. And it's about 3 in the morning and at that point his older brother who lives with them with him and his wife, his older brother pulls up in his car. And the brother's like, yo, why are you guys still doing up? And they're like, you won't believe that the night it happened. <laughs> you literally will not believe what just happened. So they tell him the story about the cloud and it chasing him and changing uh, opposite sides of the car and all that stuff and the dog not barking. He's like, the dog didn't bark? He goes, let's go ahead and uh, check out the car. So they actually go out to the car and they're looking around and Matthew is standing there with his brother and his brother starts to bring up the topic of demons. Basically like, well, bro, you might have had like a demon attached to the car or something like that. You know, there's a couple different ways to get rid of demons. And as he's saying this, all of a sudden he stops. He looks at his little brother and says, Did you feel that? Suddenly the entire driveway becomes extremely... Cold, bone chillingly cold. And as Matthew is staring at his brother and his brother staring at him and they're trying to figure out why, I mean, it is Portland right in December. It can get cold really, really quickly. But as they're processing this, all of a sudden Matthew feels a crush against his ribs as if someone straight up punched him right in the rib cage and the blow was so hard. He actually got pushed into his brother. They both ran into the house, slamming the door behind them. And Matthew took a photo of his side. And the photo is available in the show notes. He has this massive red mark across his ribcage there. A cloud. A pitch black cloud following you down the road. Might just seem like an anomaly. Might just seem like some weird weather pattern. Or, or, or maybe just a trick of the light. But could it be more than that? Could the things we see and we simply hand wave off and dismiss as maybe a little anomalous, but harmless, could these actually have supernatural, could they actually have demonic origins? A terrifying story. terrifying story and a perfect way to wrap up when harmless things attack. Who would think that a cloud could actually beat somebody up? We actually it's funny because we did cover an episode a long time ago Was episode 285 about a guy, another guy who got attacked by a cloud. So there is precedent for this type of thing. Very, very odd story. But again, we're always looking at these high level threats like these demonic armies or people getting possessed and becoming serial killers and stuff like that. And sometimes the thing that can affect you the most is the cloud floating down the street is the carpet in the abandoned house. In the world of the supernatural, there's really no such thing as harmless. There's just the appearance of innocence. And that is the best way for an evil entity to take. Because you let your guard down. And that's what these creatures want, is for us to have our guard down. Matthew and his family are going to be on alert for any sort of weird paranormal activity that's happened in their house because it happened in their driveway. But imagine that this cloud followed you home and you didn't notice it and you pulled up to your driveway and you just got out of your car and went to bed. And that cloud, that malignant energy seeped into your house. And you didn't know to protect yourself. You didn't know to be on the lookout for these crazy events. You just went about living your life while all the while there is an entity in your house now, slowly infecting everything good about you and your loved ones. All because you didn't notice that cloud following your car one dark night. The world of the supernatural, the world of the paranormal is fascinating. It's very, very fun to research this stuff, but don't forget, 90% of it, are enemies of mankind. Demons, aliens, portals warping you into another dimension that is not made for humans to ever live in. The world of the paranormal is not our friend. It is our foe. It is our hunter. It is our predator. It may seem fun and entertaining, and it is. It may seem harmless. It is not. It can destroy you, it can destroy your soul, it can destroy those you love the most. So never let your guard down when you're researching the paranormal. You never know what path it's going to take you down. And even though that path may seem full of wonder and excitement, just remember, the world of the paranormal is not your friend. So don't let your guard down. Be careful where you tread, both mentally and physically. The world of the paranormal is always looking for fresh souls to corrupt. Please, make sure you are not one of them. Radio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash TikTok is at Radio.